everyone and welcome to Kamsi J. Today's episode is going to be the last of a three-part episode where I've been talking about my experience in 2021 that kept me away from podcasting and you know some other things that I've enjoyed. So here goes. I'm just going to dive into it and wrap this up. So I left off the last episode talking about the my feelings, I guess, like the hematology, hematologist and the cost of the medication and all that and like how this affected me at work. So I'm just going to fast forward. So this episode, I'm just going to fast forward to the end of the year. It turned out that by so in between, so between August and December, my best friend got married and so I was I had to kind of put aside everything to support her with that I don't even think that I really did support her as much as I maybe would have liked but it was a nice and welcome distraction from all that was going on I remember having my sister here when I had to check a few of the results and I refused to actually test that period because I was like, I don't want to, I know that this is where things are. Cause I think just before the wedding, I had checked my numbers and they were maybe still under a hundred. So I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen now. So they made me, they tried to feed me with like foods that would help. I, but I just distracted myself at that time. And I refused to, I refused to test for the I think it was nine, ten days that they were here. I just, I was happy to pretend like none of this was happening. So that passed, that went by. And then um, November came. It was like same old, same old. And Christmas came. And thankfully by December, so I had a day in my closet where I, I just really cried and I prayed like I've never prayed in all my life. Because at that point I knew I can't afford this medication. I can't afford for this to be chronic. I have kids. I have my whole life ahead of me. I don't want to be stuck dealing with this. And I know that there are people who due to other medical reasons have had to lose their spleen and you know, life doesn't end there. But still, it's like a huge life change because a lot of things that we eat now, we can't, I can't, I won't be able to eat. I would, it's just a, an, an additional problem that I really didn't want to deal with. And I didn't have any other way of processing this or working with this. Like, you know, when you get, I don't know if you're a Christian or maybe even not a Christian, you've sometimes in life faced something that you look at it and you're like, there's no way I'm going to make it through this particular thing without God. I I just didn't have any other way. And so I went on my knees and I cried. I cried and I prayed and prayed. And I got up from that really feeling positive and feeling like just full of faith. And I'll tell you, like, honestly, by 
By the time December rolled around, my numbers were going steady and increasing, increasing. Of course, the hematologist wasn't really buying it. She's like, yeah, I think we should schedule a meeting for January to talk about uh, medication, about like how to start applying for the grants for the medication and to put it through. Well, guess what? <laughs> By the time I never had that appointment in January, it was postponed to, I think, at the end of January until all like beginning of February. And by then I had been testing, the numbers were coming up. My testing was even reduced from weekly to I think bi-weekly. And then just, yeah. So by February, it was all gone. And I was, my numbers had come up at that point to like way past 100. I think it was, I was probably even in the 200s at that point. So I was just really, my family and I, like we were so full of joy and gratitude because this is, this is, I think today it's one of my biggest miracles. I'm sure in, the, in, in an earlier episode, I talked to you about how my dad christened me Wakerendu, which is the child who created life. And this is another example of the way that I have like just gone through something, a huge like medical challenge. And somehow, somehow, somehow I've just come out on the other side. And I don't take that for granted because I know I've heard of a couple of people who had, who suffered this um, issue, but then for some of them, it was like in their brain or in an organ and they died. So I'm so thankful that mine was like under my skin because think about it. I didn't have any symptoms. There was no way of knowing, like I wouldn't have known if I didn't have it under my skin. So I don't take that for granted. I am so full of gratitude and I'm so thankful to be here. So this particular night in in uh, February, was it February, March? I think it was February. I I was lying in bed and I just had this strong like urge to, no, was it February, March? I think it was March. <laughs> February, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I had this strong urge to get up and take a pregnancy test. Uh, and that was like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't expecting anything because I'd had a few of those in the past. In fact, I think there was one particular month where I was so sick. My period hadn't come and I was like a hundred percent certain that I was pregnant, but that didn't happen. So I'm going to backtrack here. In 2020, I, at the end of 2020 or beginning of 2021, I had finally come to terms with the fact that, okay, I'm ready and willing to have a third child. My husband loves children. And I think left to him, we would have like five kids running around here by now. But it took me some time to come around to the idea. Uh, I'm so glad that I did. But so after we agreed that this was what we were going to do, it seemed like it just seemed to take forever. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. I almost started to come around to the fact that I don't know when this is going to happen. And if I get to 40 and it hasn't happened, I'm not going to try anymore. So, well, I 
I did. I did. So that, that night I got up and I went to test and I saw two lines. It was so faint, but I said, I was like, I don't know. Is this here? Am I imagining this? Am I? So I called Nathan. And when I say like middle of the night, I mean like, I think it was like 2 a.m. or so. He was working. And so I, I called him and I called his phone and I'm like, can you come up, please? So he came and I showed him and he was so thrilled. Like I can't even, he was so excited. He was so happy. Now, I've, I have shared probably in the past on the, on the podcast how I've had two miscarriages. So immediately, like, so there was this burst of joy. And immediately at the back of that was, I don't know if I should really rejoice yet because what if I lose this pregnancy? And so I started to pray. I was like, I can't think that way. I have to be positive. I have to pray about this. And in fact, I almost didn't want to even call my doctor. Like I was praying, I was holding onto the faith, but it's, it, it wasn't easy, I must say. Like there were times when I would just feel a little pain and be like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And then I've been so used to having like really bad morning sickness. I don't know why it's even called morning sickness because it's not morning. It's like morning, afternoon, night, middle of the night, whenever. But I was used to having like with my first, I had really, I had it really severely. With my second, it was bad. And then it kind of, um, ended around 18 weeks. So I've always been used to starting off a pregnancy, being really sick and vomiting and all that. So when it wasn't happening this time around, a part of me was like, is this baby still there? Like, am I, have I lost it? And is this the end? And you might think, well, if it was the end, you would see bleeding, but I didn't. With my last two, I had what is called a missed miscarriage. So I'd miscarried, but I wasn't bleeding. And I had to actually take medication to bring the bleeding on. So I kept thinking, like, is this the end? Is this the end? And week after week, I, I still say that this is my most prayed for baby because, <clears throat> sorry, because as soon as I got pregnant and I remember we had, there was a, something at church and I had to go downtown after work for it. And that was when I told my pastors and a few close people from, from church. I, they started to pray for me and pray for my baby. We prayed from when, like, honestly, from con- even prior to conception, I had prayed, but we prayed from the moment I got pregnant for Asher until the very end. And I know, like, in our hearts, we thought we wanted a girl. And I remember the day we found out that it was a boy. By then, my best friend had gotten her, she was pregnant as well, and she had gotten her, her the baby's uh, sex checked. So she knew she was having a boy as well. And I think having that knowledge that she was having a boy kind of tampered my own um I don't want to even use the word disappointment because obviously when you're having a baby, you know that you're either going to have a boy or a girl. And when it's done, it's done. There's no, like, you know, you're, once you get pregnant, you're either having a boy or a girl. Anyway, so we found out we're having a boy. There was that immediate, that initial like disappointment. And I think especially for my husband too. But we, I was able to get over it and we just became really, 
excited and imagine having three boys. We have two boys running around here and screaming all the time. And now add one more to the mix. We were my my kids, not my kids. My first son, Lucas, was very, very disappointed. But I have a video of Zach like running to the street when he heard that we were having a boy. And then Lucas was like, oh, I wish there was a girl baby. Anyway, um, and he very quickly began to tell us to do this again. <laughs> but we, so we found out we're having a baby boy. And then we started thinking we had absolutely no name. The name that we have for a girl, we picked this name out before we even started to have kids. But yeah, well, baby one, baby two, baby three, minus the ones that were lost along the way that we always thought was going to be the girl. But then um, then we didn't have any other boy names. We started to think like, okay, what are we going to name this kid? And then we just got a sense of who Asher was going to be. And it was after getting a sense of him, it was easier to find a name that meant that. So his name is Asher, and Asher means happy and blessed. The blessed part of this is because, like I said, this is my first baby that I didn't have a loss preceding. There was no loss. There was just absolute joy. After the initial fear and everything, it's like he was like just prayed for and loved so much. And not to say that the others weren't loved, but... You know what it's, if you've been through a miscarriage, you know what it's like having a preg, like being pregnant and that constant, is this going to be the day? And so I felt that for a while. And then we went past the first trimester, second, and this was my easiest pregnancy so far. Like I continued to work until the very end. I think I was I actually took my laptop back on the Wednesday. I took my laptop and my phone back to the office to hand it in. And I had my baby the following day. <laughs> so I had gone to work. And mind you, I was commuting. If, you, if you're familiar with BC, I was commuting from Maple Ridge to downtown Vancouver four days a week. At the, at like, I don't honestly, I don't even know how I did it. But I did. And it, the, the delivery went by so fast. It's insane. <laughs> I I had been feeling cramps around like 4 a.m. or so. Like I was feeling I could I couldn't lay down. I was like on my knees and I, I was so restless and uncomfortable. But then at like 8 a.m. it was all gone. I finally got to some sleep and woke up in the morning. I could feel like some kind of pressure in my hip hip area. But then I'd been feeling all sorts of pains. Like you know, if you've been pregnant, you know what it's like at the end. So there was all sorts of pain, and so I just I didn't really pay any attention. And then I think it was around three or so. I was on the phone with my friend when I started to feel these pains and she had said to me like are you sure this is not I don't you think you should go to the hospital I'm like yeah I don't know but I think Nathan must have got a sense because after the night that we had he came to me that morning and he's like you need to pack a hospital bag I think this happens with your third child I can't believe that at that point I didn't even have my hospital bag 
um, packed. I had the coats I wanted to wear in the wash. So I told him, okay, when the thing is done, it's going to dry and then I'll pack. But he started throwing things together, like his things. And he's like, you need to do something. Like you need to start packing this bag. So I, I literally did that the day that I went into labor. So I packed the bag and, but I was still like folding laundry, doing dilly dallying. Doing, I went and I did my nails. I had, um, I went to take out my nails. I did some, I bought some snacks for the hospital. Like I was just taking my sweet time because I, I didn't really believe that I was going to have the baby that day. Then I, I guess, so I fast forward to like 3.30 or so, I was folding laundry, doing all these things. I started to feel the pain. But then I noticed like I would be talking to my friend and when the pain came, I couldn't talk through it. Like I had to go on my knees and and then it would stop. Now, I've always had the epidural early. So, well, when I say early, the second time it wasn't that early, but I've had it. So I didn't really know what labor pain felt like, like advanced labor, like, I don't know, labor pain really was like. So I didn't even know what was going on. But then it was my friend who was like, this thing is happening in intervals. I think you should time it. So I started to time it. And it was about 15 minutes at the time. And so she called Nate and it's like, oh, you need to get home. I think this baby is, I still wasn't even feeling panic because I felt like, oh, I have time. Because in my mind, my labor was really long. It usually takes a lot of time, but I didn't take into account that because I had the epidural, I didn't know how long my labor was really. So we, he came back, <clears throat> Nathan came back. We called my best friend to come get the kids. <clears throat> Sorry. And then... We went to the hospital. It took an hour for us to get there. My hospital is an hour away from home. I left home when I was, my contractions were 15 minutes apart. By the time I got to the hospital, they were six minutes apart. I couldn't even sit down to register. In, like I was on my knees. So they just got me a room. I'm like, oh, we'll deal with this later. I got checked. I don't know if the nurse that checked me the first time was right. Cause she said it was three centimeters. In under an hour, it was six centimeters. <laughs> I was screaming, like, where the hell is this epidural? I was screaming for the epidural. And then they let me know that they couldn't give it to me without testing my platelet count. I was like, what the hell? Like, why didn't anybody tell me this this whole time? Again, this vaccine comes haunting me at this time. So I had to get the test done. I have never got lab results back so fast in all my life. I think the results came in like 20 minutes and they're like, it's a go, it's a go. She's fine. Like you can go. Then I heard that the anesthesiologists were in the other room helping somebody else. I'm like, why do they have, why do they need both of them? And they're like, it's an emergency. So they were there. And at this point, it's like seven, it's like 7 p.m when they finally come back and say they're going to... So I got to the hospital at 6. By 7, 7 p.m., I was like 6 centimeters and, and just it was progressing really fast. Finally, they came in as they were trying to give me the epidural. My water burst. <laughs> like, what? I And you know what? I give Nathan 10 stars because he's freaking amazing. He did not flinch. He continued to hold me steady as this thing splashed on him. Uh, and they were telling me, like, it's too late for this epidural. I'm like, nope, do it, do it, do it. 
but then, yeah, the, I think as he just put, I don't even think he was able to put it through when the baby started to come. I have never felt so much pain in all my life. I was using the gas. I think all that the gas really did was to help control my breathing because I wouldn't have been able to, when they tell you breathing and like when they're trying to teach you how to breathe when you're in pain, for me, it just never works. I can't understand it. I don't know what to do. So the gas kind of helped me with the breathing. I didn't even realize when they unplugged it because I still had the mouth part. So I thought I was still doing it. But I just, I was getting, I, was, I kept screaming like, sorry, I kept screaming. I can't do this. I can't do this. And they were telling me, you can, yes, you can. And you're doing it. You're doing it. And then I heard the baby's heart is, heart rate is dropping. Honestly, I feel like everything stood still. And in that moment, I don't know where the strength came from. I don't know how it came. But in that moment, I put my pain aside because I'm like, I didn't come all this way to lose this child. And I pushed my baby with everything I got. <laughs> and he came out. So yeah, that was my delivery. <laughs> I had my beautiful baby boy, Asher, on October 27th at, um, at around 8 p.m. So yeah, it's a bonk. It's like seriously bonkers. I had gone from what's going on with my body, what's going on to my body, being able to do this amazing thing in under a year. I am so, again, just so full of gratitude. I, in October, when I think about it, October 27th, the year prior, I was still going through so much and to think like it was all gone a year later and I had this little child, this little amazing miracle in my arms. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm glad that this story has a happy ending. I'm glad that I I didn't really lose any friends that are near and dear to me. I Because I think I'm going to do another episode on this. I think that people don't really think about relationships when they're holding on to ideologies. Policies, things come and go. Like you see, today's, yesterday, the debate was on diversity, inclusion, um, equity. The same people who were fighting for inclusion and saying, like, oh, you know, everybody deserves a seat at the table. Everybody, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, in a matter of months, they had switched to, if you're not vaccinated, you're not welcome to this table. So all these things, they come and they go. Today, it's this. Tomorrow, it's that. It's like a political thing. Are you for Trudeau or against Trudeau? If you're against Trudeau now, you're an anti-vaxxer. You're this, you're that. Like all these things. For In America, it's like the Trump versus no Trump, Republican, Democrat, all those things. They come and they go. What matters is your relationships. And so when you're holding on to all these these ideologies, and you're fighting the people that you love, you're pushing them away and shutting yourself in, you have to realize that these things are going to go. They matter so much today. They're not going to matter as much tomorrow. But the relationships in your life, that's what truly matters. And if you jeopardize them to hold on to something that something as flimsy and like something that is just going to change, 
in a matter of months, then yeah, you just, you need to really examine what's important to you and yeah, and just live your life based off of that. And again, I, I just cannot say enough how glad I am that my circle of friends, uh, just still remained tight and unshakable through this whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, so there's my story. I'm back now. I feel like I have, <coughs> I feel like I have addressed this huge elephant. <laughs> I'm free now to be able to continue my podcast. I was having a chat with a friend over the weekend and I was telling her how I feel like it makes no sense. Like, why is, why was it so important to me to share this story before I could move on? And she made a point. She was like, you, you have to understand that this is an elephant in the room for you. And because you're somebody, your podcast is about you sharing your life stories. And you shared so many like intimate, vulnerable things on the podcast. And this is a huge life event for you. So how can you feel like you're being true to yourself if you don't address this very big thing? <coughs> and then, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> this part might not get edited, so forgive me. And yeah, so she's like, um, you have to be able to, like for you, you're going to feel like you're being a fraud if you don't deal with this. So I told me, and I, and she gave me that perspective. I was like, okay, yeah, I think maybe that's the reason why I, I keep feeling like I have to share this before I can move on. Also, I, I just felt like I, I, I needed to overcome this because it's, I, it seems like I don't know how it got to this, but it's become such a very controversial thing that I just felt like, how am I going to be judged? for taking, like for sharing this, like how are people going to look at me and and what are they going to think about me? But the truth is at this point, I really don't care. I don't, I don't care. This is, this is my life. I'm the one who went through it. So anybody who thinks, who wants to judge me or whatever for saying that I'm not going to get vaccinated, well, you know, too bad. I'm also going to, uh, this is the end of the episode, but I will probably get Nathan to share his own experience either in on this episode or we'll do another one and for him to just kind of share his and how this my whole experience affected him and changed the way that we look at things. To be honest, I think if I didn't have this experience, I don't know the kind of person I would have been through this. I don't know what my viewpoint would have been. I don't know how I would have processed this because like I said, I've always had such faith in the Canadian government, the healthcare system, but all of that just changed with this experience. I started to question everything. And again, I wonder like if this didn't happen to me, how would we be? Nathan as well. It was such a huge, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell his part. I'll leave it to him to to share. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming back again and again to, the, to finish the, the... I know it's been long. I didn't want to do it all in one episode because I knew that it would just be too long. So um, yeah, thanks for listening again. And it's great to be back. So look forward to sharing my thoughts in future episodes with you.
Until next time, don't forget to like, subscribe and share the episode if you enjoyed it. See you next time. Thank you.